All right, we're going to transition to the Bible message for today, and we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 4 if you want to follow along. Uh, if, if you want to follow along with a, with a paper Bible and don't have one with you, there's some in the pew. That's going to be on page uh, 804, 804 if you want to follow along with that. As you are finding that, let me show you a picture. I want to show you a picture. I felt obligated to share a football story today as we open up since it is football uh, season. Now, there's not an ESPN bone in my body, so this may be the last time you hear a football story from me, but I felt obligated. So this is Jerry Kramer, and if you can see kind of behind him, you can kind of see the nose of his football coach for the Packers. That is Vince Lombardi. Now, back in 1967, the Packers played a, uh, a famous game against the Dallas Cowboys. It was famously called the Ice Bowl. And it was named the Ice Bowl because it was ridiculously, it is bone-chilling cold during that game. It was 18 degrees below zero. The wind chill was 47 degrees below zero. The, the field was a solid sheet of ice. And uh, if you're a Packers fan, I'm sorry, because at the end of the game, near the end of the game, the Cowboys were in the lead, and it looked inevitable. It looked like, okay, the Cowboys had this in the bag. You know, we're going to go home, and, and the Cowboys are going to win. But somehow, miraculously, through some kind of feat, the, the Packers were able to run the ball down the field, and with less than a minute left on the clock, they were at the one-yard the, one line next to the end zone. Now, they, they tried a couple of handoff plays, but it didn't go anywhere. The guys were literally slipping all over the place. The field was a sheet of ice. They couldn't get any traction on the field, even with their cleats on. Uh, Bart Starr, if you know that name, he was the coach for uh, the Packers during that season, and he must have been feeling very confident because he called out a ridiculous play. He said, 31 wedge, and the ball was hiked. He took the ball, but he kept it to himself for a quarterback sneak, and this guy here, Jerry Kramer, he was on the line right in front, and he knew that Starr was coming in right behind him. He was exhausted. It's freezing cold. It's the last play of the game probably. It's, It's unlikely they'll make it but he somehow summoned the energy, summoned the strength within him to dig in his heels and get one more good block on the line of the Cowboys. And he was able to hold him back just long enough for Bart Starr to jump over him, jump over behind him, and get into the end zone. And they got the touchdown. The Packers won the ice bowl. They won that game. Now, as the crowd was going wild, as you can imagine, they were going crazy right now, they were cheering for Bart Starr, for the quarterback, the guy who snuck in the ball. He kept the ball to himself, jumped over the line, and there was Jerry, laying, he, he's laying flat on the field here, right? His hands are freezing bitterly cold. He can't feel his feet. He has ice shoved into his helmet. Star is in the end zone. Everybody's cheering for Star, and here's Jerry laying on the floor, you know, inches away from the end zone. The crowd's cheering for him. He's just laying there bitterly cold, even though he's the one that really made it possible for the touchdown. But before he could feel too sorry for himself, Jerry Kramer, he looked up, He looked over to the sidelines, and he saw his coach, Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi was looking right at Jerry Kramer. He gave him a smirk and a thumbs up. Hey, the crowd may not have seen it. The crowd may have had no idea how hard it was and how difficult it had been for him to keep his traction and make that block. And they may not have known that it was because of Jerry Kramer they made that touchdown. But coach saw And sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes all you need is to know that the coach saw what you did, right? Today, we're going to be reading a passage from one of Paul's letters. Paul was an apostle in the early church, uh, and we think of him usually as as a spiritual giant, right? He wrote these letters that that have been cemented into our New Testament, into our Bibles today. Uh, He's really really one who who wrote letters that established Christian doctrine. They established uh, the practices that that Christians and churches have followed for over 2,000 years. You know, he was 
a key player in the foundation and the founding of what we now call the Christian church. However, he didn't always think of himself that way. In fact, he got discouraged very often. And we're going to read in this letter several times where he, figuratively speaking, felt like he was laying down on a flat sheet of ice where he had ice and snow crammed into his helmet and people were cheering for everyone else except for him. We're going to read about some instances where he felt that way today. Here's something that he says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1. We're going to read the whole passage, but let me give you a sneak peek. He writes, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Twice in this passage we'll see it. He says we do not lose heart. In case you're wondering what it means to lose heart, I don't know how to better describe it than by showing you a picture. Sometimes in ministry, you can be left feeling like this, like you've lost your heart. Paul says that he had a lot of discouraging days, a lot of discouraging things happen. He says, but twice, I do not, I don't end up like this. I do not lose heart. So we're going to be talking about ministry today. What in the world is ministry? What do we mean by ministry? You know, I think whenever we use the word ministry, we tend to think of lofty terms. Maybe you think of some kind of branch of government, you know, like, oh, you're in public service. The Ministry of Defense, the, the Ministry of Education. Maybe you think of Hogwarts, the Ministry of, of, of Magic. You know, you think of some kind of lofty thing where people have devoted themselves to public service. Uh, maybe you think of church work and missions work, and you think of, you know, full-time gigs, people that have been trained in some way, they went to seminary or whatever, full-time missionary, full-time pastor, you think of, of that. However, for Paul... The word ministry really encompassed everybody. His expectation was that every single one of us was to be involved in ministry if we call ourselves Christians, if we follow Jesus. And in fact, those who have the privilege of being paid to do ministry, those who are in full-time vocational ministry, their primary job is to equip the rest of us to go and do ministry. So everybody is expected to be involved in ministry. So what is ministry? Well, simply speaking, if you were to boil it down, it's this. It's service to God or service to people on God's behalf. Ministry is when you serve God, or when it's when you serve people on God's behalf. And there's a lot of you listening to me right now. There's some of you watching online that are, are heavily involved in ministry. I mean, I'm looking around the room. We have tons of missions trips and deep involvement in Haiti. Uh, you know, Alpha Team, uh, you guys serve on the Alpha Team. You lead a, a small group. I, I see Vern in the back there. He's like a serial ministry person. He's involved in so many ministries. He, he, he came in just last week. Hey, Pastor Nick, I need to make an announcement. We've got to get bikes for kids because, I mean, just, he's like involved in everything right? We got a bowling ministry here. I mean, so, so there's so, there so many, right? There's so many of you that are heavily involved in ministry in different ways. You volunteer several hours in a nonprofit somewhere, locally or maybe abroad. You go on missions trips for disaster relief and teaching the gospel. Some of you donate tons of money to various ministry causes, and, and you, you consider that, man, you're, you're working hard and giving a considerate amount of your money to ministry. Some of you are involved in social justice, community engagement. That's your outlet for your faith. Some of you have entered a profession where where you're paid to do ministry. You do social work, you're in chaplain work, you're a counselor, you're a therapist, maybe you're in church work or or missions work, something like that. Some of you volunteer at church here as a group leader, on the welcome team, as a deacon, the leadership team, as an elder, so on and so forth. Many of you are involved in ministry, and ministry can be discouraging. But your message today, what I want you to hear today, is don't get here. Don't lose heart. The coach sees you, right? Jesus sees you. Now, there's another audience that's listening today. There's some of you in here, or some of you online, that you, you are a Christian. You have, de- you have devoted your life to Jesus, but you're not involved in ministry right now. You're, you can't point to anything you're doing that, that you would say is, is ministry. And you probably have different reasons for that. And, oh, man, I got burned doing ministry. Hey, the Apostle Paul got burned too. 
I challenge you to, find, to seek the healing and to seek the, the, the recovery that you need so that you can get back in the game and you can do ministry. Well, I'm really busy. Hey, Paul is really busy. I challenge you to find some kind of outlet, some way that you can do ministry. Okay? Well, I have health issues. Well, so did Paul. Today, I challenge you to find some kind of unique way of engaging in ministry. Well, I'm too young. I'm too old. Okay, now you're just making up stuff, <laughs> right? Now you're just making up stuff. If you are a Christian, you are called to be involved in ministry. Now, with that, I put out this disclaimer. There are some of you who are going through something heavy right now. You're, you're, you're working through trauma. There's, there's something heavy in your life. And, and this, in this season right now, you, you are unable to be involved in ministry. And I understand that, that, that there, there are exceptions to what I'm saying. However, the overwhelming majority of us, we can do ministry. And I'd like to get engaged. So my challenge for you today is to jump in the game. Get off the bleachers, grab a jersey, and let's get in the game and do some ministry. Without further ado, let's read our text today from 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 18. It's a long passage, but I want to read it so that we can get the full context. 2 Corinthians 4, 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel that, is, that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Look at this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen, or not not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let me show you just kind of an outline of where we are going today. As you notice in the text, in verse 1, he starts off with, we do not lose heart. At the end of this passage, verse 16, once again, he says, we do not lose heart. And sandwiched in there are all these reasons why you could lose heart, right? Uh, he doesn't have a, it's not clear, oh, there's three exact things he's talking about. But, but I tried to arrange his thoughts into these three things. We can be discouraged by hard stuff in ministry. Sometimes in ministry, we can be discouraged by pushback. 
Sometimes we can be discouraged by, by bad results, no results, negative results, uh, unlikely results. But he says in all of it, don't end up looking like this statue. He says, through it all, I have been discouraged, but I do not lose heart. With that said, let's jump into the first point, all right? Number one, are you discouraged by hard stuff in ministry? Those of you who are doing ministry, are you discouraged by the hard stuff in ministry? Read with me in verse 2 again. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Okay? Here's one thing that discouraged Paul. In the ancient world, in the Roman world, in the first century, there were these traveling preachers who would blow into town. He would go to different cities like Corinth, like in this instance, and they would go to, into church, into house churches. They would go into synagogues, and they would preach, right? Uh, unfortunately, many of them were sugarcoating the gospel. They were distorting the faith. That's what you see in verse number two. They, they were kind of, they were watering down what it means to live the Christian life, and they appeared to know what they were talking about. They were getting paid pretty well for this. This was their full-time gig. They would travel around. They had letters of recommendation from other church leaders and, and other known people in the first century world. They would blow into town. And, and what made it worse is as they were leaving, they would kind of poke fun at Paul. Oh, you don't need to listen to Paul. You don't need, you know, he, he doesn't, I don't even know if he's a real apostle. I have concerns about Paul. So he, they, were, they were blowing down Paul's ministry as they were doing this. And Paul was hearing bad reports about this, okay? If you read 1 Corinthians, especially 1 Corinthians, but then into 2 Corinthians, there's a couple of church leaders, there's a couple of pastors of different house churches in Corinth that were writing and corresponding with Paul, giving him reports on how the church was doing. Most notably, one was named Stephanus, another one was named Chloe. They had two different house churches, and, and the reports that Pastor Stephanus and Pastor Chloe were giving Paul were not good, all right? So first off, there were problems in the church that were not being dealt with. There were issues like sexual immorality happening in the church, and it was open. It, the, the, Paul says in the letter that everyone knows this is happening, and there's some people even celebrating the immorality that is going on, and it just wasn't being dealt with. <laughs> it was not being dealt with. A second thing is that alcohol was a problem in this church. Specifically, when the church met for worship, they would gather for communion, and when they passed around the communion wine, there were people getting drunk and causing all these issues, and it wasn't, the main problem was it wasn't being dealt with. That's why he had to keep writing. In fact, later on, Paul has to travel back to Corinth to deal with the issues because those, those teachers that blew into town, they weren't dealing with it, right? And so Paul had to write these difficult letters. He had to travel back into town, and he was the one who had to pick up the slack and deal with the hard stuff of ministry. Look at what he says in verse 5. We preach, what we preach is not ourselves. We're preaching Jesus Christ as Lord. Look, I'm not trying to puff myself up. I'm just, I'm just trying to preach the gospel, trying to be faithful, and you guys need to mature. And he was the one who had to deal with the hard things in ministry. Paul got discouraged dealing with the hard stuff of ministry. And I know that some of you listening, some of you watching right now, you do too. I know there's some people in this room that you have a job where you're a therapist and your day is spent all day listening to people's deepest problems and that baggage comes home with you. That's, that's the hard stuff of ministry, right? Some of you work as chaplains or, or a former chaplain, retired chaplain, right? And, and so you, you deal with, with life and death situations every day. Maybe you're a doctor and that's your ministry and you deal with life and death situations every day and you carry that home with you, right? Some of you listening to me right now, you're Milton Hershey House parents and you're running on fumes. You can't remember the last time you got six hours of sleep. You haven't seen your spouse in forever. You're, you're burnt out, right? The school expects too much of you. I mean, it's, you're running on fumes. It's the hard stuff of ministry. Maybe you volunteer on a nonprofit board, and you have to make hard decisions. And nobody else weighs the decisions like you do. They see a limited perspective, but, but they don't weigh the health of the organization in their hands in the way that you do. That's the hard stuff of ministry. 
Some of you are involved in short-term ministry teams, disaster relief, missions trips, political engagement. Maybe you're going to try to get to Turkey to help with these, these different projects going on. And, and, and people are hard to work with. Local governments are hard to work with. The team is hard to work with. This, like, this is the hard stuff of ministry. Ministry can be a beat down. It can be discouraging when you get nestled into the, the hard stuff of ministry. But Paul was able to say, he got discouraged, don't get me wrong, but he never lost heart. He never looked like that empty statue. And part of it's because he realized his job wasn't to fix the church of Corinth. His job was just to be faithful to the Lord and to get in with the hard stuff and leave the results up to God. And so if that's you, if you're discouraged in ministry, let me tell you this, don't lose heart. Your job, your responsibility is not to produce results. It's to be faithful to what the Lord's called you to do right now. Your job isn't to please people, it's to please the Lord. And your success may not be visible. He talks about this at the end. It, you know, it's, it's, it's not seen, it's not visible. Your success may not be visible. But the coach sees you. Maybe that's all you need. <laughs> the Lord sees you. The Lord sees you. One note before we, log, before we move on. Uh, in case you're needing counseling, let me just point this out. We have, we have two different uh, counseling partners. This is their job. They, they work with our church in this. And... Uh, one of them specializes in ministry hurt. The other one was a former pastor, former pastor here. Uh, and, he, and either of them would be willing to, to speak with you. So if you want to seek counseling for just some of the discouragement that comes with the hard work of ministry, let us know and we can book you an appointment. Now let me move on here. Hey, are you discouraged by the hard stuff of ministry? Number two, are you discouraged by pushback? Have you been discouraged by pushback as you do ministry? Look at verse number seven. Let's read a few verses here. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We've been struck down, but not destroyed. I might add, we're discouraged, but we don't lose heart, right? We always carry about in our, body, in our body the death of Jesus. That's a vivid picture. We're carrying the death of Jesus so the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. This is something that discouraged Paul and something that may discourage you as you do ministry. You may receive pushback. And in trying to describe this, this is a picture that Paul gives us. He says, I'm like a, I'm like a clay jar. He calls himself a clay jar. Clay jars, they were these cheap, inexpensive, mass-produced, expendable. They break, sweep it up, throw it away, get another one, whatever. They're cheap. They, they were these, these uh, clay jars that were everywhere in the ancient world. The best equivalent that I can think of today is a dish like this, a Tupperware dish. All right? Last night, just last night, my son asked me, hey, Dad, were you alive in the 1900s? <laughs> yes, I was alive in the 1900s. And if you were like me and you were alive in the 1900s, you had one of these dishes at your house, right? Or even today, you have some kind of plastic dish. And, and look, they're, they're cheap. You, you store leftovers in them. You, you shove them in your kid's lunchbox. You leave them out in the rain, whatever. It doesn't matter. So you, you, you might pack a meal for someone who just had a baby and you deliver it. Don't worry about washing the Tupperware. Don't worry about the plastic dish. You can throw it away. For all. It's just a plastic dish. And this is how Paul viewed himself sometimes. I feel like a clay jar, Right? Hey, Paul, what's it like doing ministry? You know what? Sometimes I feel like a clay jar. I get grease splattered on me. I got stains all over me. People jam their, their leftovers in me. I get left in the rain. One day a kid picks me up and drops me and I shatter into a million pieces. Somebody comes and sweeps me up and throws me in the trash and they buy a new one. I'm expendable. I'm cheap. Hey, you want to serve with me on Sunday? <laughs> right? I mean, this is, this, is, this is ministry for Paul. I feel like a clay jar. I'm this cheap, inexpensive, replaceable, meaningless piece of pottery that you can find at any marketplace store. 
this is what ministry feels like someday. And he got a lot of pushback, right? If I feel jammed in, I feel perplexed, but, but I don't lose heart. Even though I'm getting all this pushback, I'm struck down, I don't lose heart. Look, so some of you get pushback from the ministry that you're involved in. Pushback. But don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Some of you, maybe you're in social work, right? You feel like you're constantly lobbying for more funding, lobbying for more support, more time with your clients, and you feel like you're fighting a losing battle against the system, right? Some of you are involved. Maybe you're on church staff. Maybe you work here for crying out loud, right? I see one. And maybe you're in a missions agency and you feel like you're, you're working your tail off in ministry. You're getting paid peanuts, but somebody always has a reason to be mad at you, right? It's pushback. It's pushback. You're, maybe you're a large donor for a ministry board or a nonprofit and things are not going the way that you like and you sit in these meetings and you disagree with the direction the ministry is going, but you're just, what you say doesn't matter. You're getting pushback. Maybe you're involved in social justice. You're advocating for minorities, for women, for unborn babies, for the homeless, but everything's political. Every time you say something, oh, you're woke, you're liberal, you're too conservative, you're just trying to help people. Good grief. What's with all the pushback, right? Maybe you're a student. You're at the high school, you're at the middle school, you're in college, and you're just trying to lead a Bible study. You're just trying to reserve a room so you can meet up early at the school, so you can study the Bible and pray with other students, and, and students give you heat about it, teachers give you heat about it, you're getting all this, what's, what's with all the pushback? Sometimes in ministry, you get pushback and you feel like a Tupperware dish. But in the midst of all that, Paul says, I'm pressed on every side, I'm perplexed, he says, I'm persecuted, he says, I'm struck down, but I don't lose heart. Because sometimes in ministry, success looks like a bloody man hanging on a cross. That's what success sometimes looks like in ministry. Sometimes in ministry, success looks like a preacher like Stephen getting martyred in the streets of Jerusalem. Sometimes that's what success looks like in ministry. Sometimes it looks like someone like Paul or or Silas getting imprisoned by the government because they're sharing their faith. Sometimes that's what success in ministry looks like. You will get pushback if you do ministry. You will get it, but don't be discouraged. Don't learn. You may be discouraged, but don't lose heart. Your responsibility is not to produce results. It's to be faithful in the pushback. Your job is not to please people. It's to please the Lord, and your success may not be visible, but the coach sees you. The crowd doesn't see you. The coach sees you. The Lord sees you. Maybe a thumbs up is all you need this morning. So, Are you discouraged by the hard stuff in ministry? Are you discouraged by the pushback? You been there? Vern, you been there? I've been there. Paul's been there. Paul lived there. (laughs) Don't lose heart. Number three, are you discouraged by the results? Are you discouraged by the results of your ministry? Let's look at verse 16 through 18. He writes, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though... (laughs) Even though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is seen is eternal. Here's what Paul would tell you. Hey, you want to know what kind of results I'm getting in ministry? Verse 16, I'm wasting away. Here's the results I'm getting. In my work is resulting in trouble. Verse 17. My results, my, my evangelism is resulting in very little growth, verse 4. My leadership, it's resulting in anarchy. Read the whole letter of 2 Corinthians. We didn't have time for all that. These are the results that he's getting. He poured so much into his ministry, and sometimes he felt success, 
Sometimes he saw no results. Sometimes he saw negative results. We have examples from the Apostle Paul where he would, there, there's one example where there was a band of people that got so angry with him starting a church, they banded together and they swore an oath to one another that they would not eat another bite of food until Paul was found dead. Like, that's real, okay? <laughs> that's, that's getting real. There's people that have, that have sworn they would not eat again until you're dead. Like, that's getting real. There's another instance where he was preaching the gospel. He was dragged out of the city, pelted with stones until he stopped moving and people left. Like, it got real. But he said, in spite of all that, I'm discouraged, but I'm not, I'm, I do not lose heart. Sometime in ministry, you see, you see success, you see results, and it's exhilarating. Sometimes you see no results, and it's discouraging. And sometimes you see, like, negative results. <laughs> and you get your butt whooped doing ministry. Sometimes it happens. But you already knew that because some of you have been discouraged by the results of ministry. Maybe you're a counselor and one of your clients regressed. Maybe they attempted suicide. Maybe something worse happened. That's discouraging. Maybe you work at a nonprofit. Funding is down. The organization is trying to make cuts. And maybe your salary is part of those cuts. Results can be discouraging. Maybe you're a group leader. Maybe it's right here at the church, a Live Love League group, a connect group, and attendance is down. People aren't showing up. The whole thing is dragging. You're discouraged. Results can be discouraging in ministry. Maybe you serve here on the prayer team. People don't come forward to pray like you, th- like you think they, they could or should, and people don't seem interested in prayer. They don't seem to be showing up for the meetings, and it's, it's just like, what's, where's the results? It's, it's very discouraging. Some of you are just trying to share your faith at work. And, and you're, you're getting nothing. You, you try to initiate faith conversations, nobody ever bites. You, you try to invite people to church, nobody ever comes. You've been doing this for years. You're getting no results. It's, it's, it's discouraging. But in the discouragement, don't lose heart. Paul says, I'm wasting away, but I know it's temporary because inside of me, the Lord is trying to do something. This is what he says in verse 16. Outwardly, we're wasting away, yet inwardly, we're being renewed. Verse 18. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is, in, what is unseen. Sometimes ministry success is less about the short-term results, and it's not more about the long-term impact of the ministry that you're trying to accomplish. Sometimes that's what ministry is like. Sometimes it's one step forward and two steps back, right? The coach sees you. Be discouraged, but don't lose heart. Your success may not be visible, but the Lord can see you. So for those of you who are active in ministry right now, whatever that ministry may be, I gave, I don't know how many examples I gave. Some of you are active in ministry. Here's what I want you to hear. Do you ever feel like this? In ministry, you will have to deal with hard stuff, and it is discouraging. In ministry, you will have to deal with pushback, and it is discouraging. In ministry, you will have to deal with negative results, and it is discouraging. But don't, don't, don't end up like this. Remember, The Lord sees you. Now, another audience. Some of you are not involved in ministry right now. You have, you've, uh, you've placed your faith in Jesus. You are a Christian, but you're not in ministry right now. What I want you to hear is we don't have time for your shenanigans. (laughs) Ain't nobody got time for that. All right. We just don't have time for this. There are people lost in their sins and hell bound. There are people that are abused and starving and poor, like literally everywhere. The church here needs leaders, we need shepherds, we need servants. In the community, we have school, we have, we have, there are real problems in our schools and in our community and in our churches, in our families, 
and we don't have time for your nonsense. You need to get involved in ministry. And once again, I say this with a grain of salt because some of you have, there's a legitimate exception. You, you were in a season where you can't get involved and I, th- there's exceptions to what I'm saying, but for most of you, you need to get a jersey on. And so here's, here's what I want you to do. Maybe you filled out one of those, uh, if you filled out one of those next step cards that Amy talked about, she's right here, go ahead. And, you should have received feedback from that. Somebody's reached out to you. Make sure you respond to that. Otherwise, pick up one of these next step cards. We have them online as well. Put, put your information and on the back, just put, put I want in. That's all you got to put. Amy hears me. She knows, she knows what to do with those cards. I want in. We don't have time. Ain't nobody got time for this, right? But there's one more person that I want to speak to. Who's, there, there's someone listening to me here today that what, what I'm saying is a little skeptical, right? It's, it's, it's a little skeptical, the things that I'm saying. Man, what's this millennial doing, spending 25 minutes talking about ministry? What in the, <laughs> what in the world is going on here? If you're skeptical, here, here's, I want to talk to you for just a second. Uh, for example... Uh, about three months ago, I was, I was hanging out with, with some people. Uh, they were not Christians, I, but I, I spent some time with one acquaintance, and we were specifically talking about ministry. And we were talking specifically about how some Christians do, like, mission work. They go on short-term trips. Maybe they'll go down, you know, we sent a team to Florida. You've seen that. You've seen some of the pictures in the e-bulletin and online. We'll, we'll go and do, and do missions work for, and, and one of the purposes is because we want to share the gospel we want to do gospel work as, we, as we're helping people, right? And we were, we were talking about that kind, of, that kind of gospel work specifically. And this, this acquaintance of mine, she's not a Christian, and she said, hey, I just, I just don't get it. Why do Christians feel the need to, like, mix gospel stuff in with it? Why, why can't you just help people and be done with it? Like, why can't you just help people? Why do you have to bring the Jesus stuff in? Just, just help people and be, and be done with it. What's the, what's, what's the big deal with the gospel stuff? Time out. That's a fantastic question, isn't it? I can't believe I've never been asked that before. I was like, that is a brilliant question. And I totally get why, why do we have to do this? Why can't we just help people and wash our hands and be done with it? You know, it's between me and the Lord. I'm, why do we have to mix gospel stuff in with it, right? I, I want to I read out a verse. If you still have your Bible open or the Pew Bible or your phone or whatever, let me, let me read a verse for you. That, that kind, I, I kind of skipped over it for time's sake. It's verse 4. Paul writes, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, those who are not Christians, so they cannot see the light of the gospel. Now, now, before I go on, let me just mention, this verse is not saying that if you're not a Christian, you're dumb. Like, you're un- oh, you just don't understand the gospel. You're, you're just unintelligent. No, that's not what it's saying. In fact, this, this young lady that told this to me, she's super intelligent. She's smarter than I am. I know that for a fact. Super intelligent. It has nothing to do with your intelligence. But what he's saying in that verse is, is this. That if you're not a Christian, it probably doesn't make sense why Christians are all, like, all about Jesus. Like, what's the big deal? It probably doesn't make sense. Just pretend you're not a Christian for a minute. That, that is kind of weird. Isn't it kind of strange? You're going to go help people so you can give them the gospel? It's a little strange, right? And I'll throw in for the record, this verse is also saying that the devil and his angels, they, they really want to make sure you stay confused. They really want to make sure that you don't think too much about that and that you stay skeptical of that. So let, 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 me, let me just kind of address how, here's how I think Paul would answer that question. So, so why do Christians feel like they need to go and help people and then mix all the gospel Jesus stuff in? Why can't you just help people and be done with it and leave people alone in their spiritual faith? Here's how I think Paul would answer that. The problems of our world are not ultimately money problems or government problems or, I don't know, resource problems. The, the problems of our, our world stem ultimately from the sinfulness that is within the hearts of men and women. 
And so we can, we can run around and we can, we can slap Band-Aids on various problems that we see in the world. And, and that's good. You know, we can send our money, and we can, but we, we, we can go on trips and help people. Like, we can do that, and that's, that's very good work. But if we don't address the real reason why there's so many problems in our world, which, which is the problem of sin in people's hearts, the problems are just going to keep mounting up. There's just, the only solution that we Christians believe is there, ultimately, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that Jesus died to pay the penalty to make atonement for the sin of mankind. And he resurrected to give us new life. And, and we believe that is, that is ultimately the only ultimate solution to the problems of the world, to the ills of society. I, th- I think that's how Paul would answer that question. And so let, let, me, let, me, let me just finish with this. If, if you're listening to me, if you're not a Christian, you know, maybe you respect Jesus, you have respect for the church, I'm glad churches exist, it's good for society. I haven't drunk the Kool-Aid yet, right? <laughs> so maybe that's you, maybe you're watching online, I'm not a Christian yet, I haven't bought all in, I, I respect what you're doing, but I don't, I don't buy into that. I just, I would love to have a faith conversation with you, and many of us would. After service, in fact, we're going to have uh, uh, people on our prayer team that are up here, and we'd love to talk with you. And even if you're a Christian, you can come and pray. The, the prayer team's available to anybody. But we'd love to have a faith conversation with you. Just talk about that a little bit. Once again, for my Christian friends who are not active in ministry, hey, fill this thing out, fill it out online. Let's get you plugged in. Let's get you plugged in. But lastly, for those of you who are active in ministry, ministry can be discouraging. But don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. The coach sees you. The coach sees you. Let me pray for you before we dismiss. Father, I want to thank you for the gospel, for saving us from our sins, and for calling myself and my friends here into the ministry, to do, to do ministry. Thank you for considering us worthy of serving and being part of what you call the church. Uh, our Bible text was, was a raw and, and realistic picture of what ministry can look like in different seasons and how in- discouraging it can be. And so I want to pray for my friends here that are with me, uh, friends who, who are right listening to me right now who may be discouraged in ministry, and I want to pray two things for them. First, I want to pray that you would encourage them so they do not lose heart, and I also pray that you would give them the perseverance that they need to continue through the work. We pray this to you, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you for your kind attention. Uh, one quick thing, Valentine's Day is coming up, so take note if you haven't remembered that. In the lobby, we have some cards like this or some snacks and things like that, refreshments in the lobby, so make sure you stop by, hang out for a minute, talk to somebody you don't know. Uh, I had this laying up here my whole time. It says, you are special. That was an encouragement while I was preaching. Uh, but then also, I want to thank you for your kind attention and just remind you that you are not being dismissed, but you are being sent. Hershey Free, you are sent to do ministry, serving God and serving people on God's behalf. You are being sent to deal with hard things in ministry, to deal with pushback, to deal with discouragement, but without losing heart. You are not dismissed. You are sent. Thank you.